Can't say enough good things about Tyler Sagan in this series. It's so good to see what he's battled yes. from with injuries. Yes. And it's just, I mean, he's really taken on that Joe Pavelski role. We talked about it on Sunday night's postgame podcast, whereas when the Stars were effective, they were putting some screens, even deep screens, away from Gustafson or blocking his view. I thought Sagan did a great job tonight just planting himself in front of the net, very effective, moving side to side, not giving Gustafson clear looks, um, You know, scoring uh, a goal and an assist tonight. Uh, Robertson's with a goal and assist, hence three assists on the night. And it it's just great to see because, you know, one of the things is, is Joe Pavelski such a wily veteran. And when he goes down, obviously you're going to question who's going to step up for this, for the, for this Dallas stars team. It's been Tyler Sagan. I mean, this is the, this is the first healthy version, fully healthy version we've seen of Sagan in the playoffs since 2000. 14 honestly like 2016 obviously had the kid the achilles injury plays one game um i know tyler kind of he's alluded to he's gotten better at admitting it but the i you tear your you get your achilles slice the way tyler did it takes a long time like it takes a long time to get your speed back um even when he was playing in the 2019 playoffs when dallas um beat Nashville and lost to St. Louis in the second round. He still was like, I remember watching Tyler and you'd be like, he still didn't have that speed. He still didn't have the, um, there's still something was missing because Achilles injuries take that long. It's, it really is. I mean, there's a reason there's an entire Greek mythology based about the injury, right? So then you have that. And then you go into the 2020 bubble where he basically played through everything, that any doctor would have advised you never should have played through, through the hips, through the shoulder, through everything. And he thought his career might, he, he thought his career might've been over. Honestly, he, he, I think he admitted that earlier this season in his, in talking to uh, Dave, uh, to uh, Mike Zeisberger from NHL.com when the stars were in Toronto. And then last year he's playing his first year, really back from that injury plays all 82 regular season games, but he's still got a bit of that, he still wasn't, he was still slower. He was still like, he was still a bit of a passenger. This past season, he gets a full off season, comes into this season fully healthy. This is the first time we have seen Tyler Sagan fully healthy in almost a decade in the postseason. Like that's crazy to think about, right? Like it's because like, we think like, oh, 2016, that Lindy Ruff team, that team was seven years ago. That's, cr- I mean, it's crazy to think yeah. about how time passes. Like, so we're seeing Sagan healthy. We're seeing him there. And, and Sagan is doing something. And I wrote this in, in my kind of post-game observations that I posted on, on Shab Shots before we, we hopped on this pod. Tyler saw in that 2016 year where Tyler only played one game in the playoffs, uh, very Joel Erickson-Eck-like, what happens with Erickson-Eck with the Wild in this series, ironically enough. Uh, there's an alternate reality where the Stars are potentially winning the Stanley Cup in 2016. Everyone obviously blames Carlette and Antiniemi for the, the disaster in Game 7 against the Blues, but a fully healthy Tyler Sagan in the prime of his career at that time, he would have made a difference in that seven-game series. Maybe that series doesn't even go seven games. Maybe the Stars win, and who knows? In that series, like I think Dallas would have been a good matchup against San Jose, and then who knows what happens against Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup Final. 
I know that Tyler knows that the reason Tyler played through the injuries he had in the bubble in 2020 was he knows how limited cups are. He won one as a rookie. He got a little bit like he's admitted this. He got a little bit jaded about how easy it was to win. And now he's learned as he's gotten older, how difficult it is to win. And he was not going to let an injury to Joe Pavelski be the reason the stars season came to an end. And that is an onus that Tyler Sagan has taken and really run with. He's take, he stepped into, into Pavelski's role on the power play, which he was able to do much quicker. Um, I thought, I still think there's a lot to be, I, I think there's still a lot to be done from a stars perspective at five on five, yep. but I thought that there was some progress there tonight. I thought, um, particularly in the third period, and I pulled the clip of it or the pulled the screen grab of it to run it. In the third period, uh, Robertson and Sagan um, ran the little pick play that the Colorado Avalanche have made famous. Um, now, the, the little it's, it's interference. It's technically against the rules, <laughs> but referees don't call it. The Avalanche have done it for, like, the Avalanche run, you know, you know it's funny, like, the start, like, the start, like, uh, every team cheats in their own way. Some yep. teams are, are cheating at different ways than others. The stars, for example, um, one of the things the stars do, and they're the best face-off team in the league, and there's not, and it's not, and, and it's not a coincidence. The stars have a tendency, um, Foxa and Sagan, um, uh, Fox in particular, actually is a really bad offender at this. The stars have a tendency to drop to their right knee really quickly on the face-off to tie it up, and win plays back. Um, it's something that technically. I, I like other coaches have complained about the stars doing it all the time. The stars cheat on faceoffs a ton. They're the best at it. They lead the league and fa- they led the league in faceoff centers. They've killed the wild on faceoffs this year. And part of it is because they bend the rules. They break the rules. Radic Foxa cheats on faceoffs. Tyler Sagan. Um, it goes back to a faceoff technique. He actually learned from rich Peverly a long time ago. Sagan has this like kind of swivel. This is one of those where like a, like someone sent us the clip, Gavin, of uh, of the, the TNT channel bri- breaking down the Reeves hit. Mm-hmm. Or not the Reeves hit, sorry, the Felino hit. Yep, so the Felino hit, yeah. The Reeves hit, but the Felino hit. And this is one of those where like I'm, I'm doing like body motion as we're talking. And I almost wish <laughs> I love it. See, like, I love it. Like, like Sagan on every Sagan has this uh, Sagan on faceoffs is so quick, kicking his right foot in. And it's a technique he learned a while ago from Rich Peverly, where he kicks his right foot in, brings it in, and basically kicks the others the stick out from the opposing center, and then uses that to, to win the drawback. Well, I he taught that to Ty Delandria, and Ty Delandria has become a very good faceoff play, player. And so it's it's the stars cheat in that way. And that's okay. Every team cheats in certain ways. The Avalanche run this little pick play better than anyone else in the league where it's basically almost like an NBA style pick and roll where a handoff and one guy picks the other guy and it frees up a shot. And in the third period, Robertson and Sagan ran that play in the offensive zone, basically where Robertson had the puck left it for Sagan and Robertson with his size basically picked two wild defenders to set up a clean shot for Sagan. It's the type of thing where that's the type of play where you're starting to see some chemistry with Sagan and Robertson. And, 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 and I think Hintz doesn't need, um, I think Robert Robertson has missed Pavelski more than Hintz has. Hintz can play more of that flash and dash solo game where Robertson needs someone to play off of. And it just took him a couple games to really get there with Sagan and still some work to be done at five on five for sure. I mean, the only five on five goals tonight were 
it was it's, it's funny because it's Marchment. There had been it had been a long shift, and Marchment took Robertson's spot on the ice and scored where Robertson probably should have been. Uh, <laughs> that's the only five on five goal tonight, and then obviously the Landry goal is technically an even strength goal, was an attempting net, but it's still work to be done at five on five. But you're seeing there was a lot of seeds for really good things going forward, and. I, on the flip side, Minnesota, they took the penalties and you look at them and I, barring a Kaprizov, like barring Kaprizov waking up and Gustafson going all world in game six, it's, it's, it's going to be a really somber flight to Minnesota right now, because you're looking at a really tough spot going in, going home right now um, with, with how, Really, like this was a four nothing game, but it felt like eight nothing. Honestly, yeah. it just felt it felt that lopsided. I never felt as though the Wild had any kind of sustained pressure on Jake Ottinger tonight. I mean, kudos to him for his second playoff shutout, but it's it's not like uh, the previous game where he stood on his head, uh, made some good saves, well, but didn't. And it, this is actually wild pun intended. I didn't realize this until someone that was the first shutout of the postseason for any goalie in the playoffs. Really interesting. Like, I, I didn't even realize that. Like, I, I mean, I guess I could have looked at the scores and I would have been able to figure that out. But if you had told me we're, we'd make it to game, I don't know, 38, 39 of the playoffs, whatever it is, right? Like, and did we still haven't had a shutout yet. Like, that that surprised me. And it, it's, it was kind of the most boring shutout ever. I mean, Minnesota's best chance, right, was, I don't even know, did he, I don't even know who we got credit for a shut on goal for. It was the Sam Steele breakaway in the first period yeah. where he missed the net. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would think the league's on notice right now. I mean, they already knew about Jake Ottinger, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they they now specifically know about Jake Ottinger, and his name will be mentioned when it comes to if the stars move on. One of the series' key factors. Little stat to throw at you, Sean: teams that win Game Five and take a three-two series lead are fifty-one and eighteen as far as winning the series, seven thirty-nine win percentage. Hopefully, yeah. the odds are in the Stars' favor. It looks as though um, they are. 